You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. It is opening day of Major League Baseball. Go Braves. You can see I'm excited. So it is fitting that we talk a little bit of baseball on this episode. And I'm excited to talk to a huge baseball fan and a guru of random baseball stats. He is Purdue student Jeremy Frank. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hey, man, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I'm glad to have you on. It's exciting reading this release about you, just talking about uh, this Twitter account you started a few years ago and just how it took off. We'll get into that in a few uh, in a few minutes here, but kind of as we get started here, just let our, our listeners and viewers get to know you a little bit more. Where are you from and how you got to Purdue? Yeah, so I'm from Buffalo Grove, Illinois, which is like a north suburb of Chicago. Um, I ended up at Purdue. My dad went to Purdue. He graduated probably like 1990-ish. So um, I, I grew up a Purdue fan, was rooting for Purdue basketball, Purdue football my whole life. So it was only natural for me to come here. Um, I ended up looking, when I was looking for colleges, one of the top ones on my list. So definitely happy that I ended up here. Um, I'm a sophomore right now studying data science. Um, most of my stuff is online right now. So just how it is, but um, I'm at school, which is good. Yeah. Um, in West Lafayette right now, hoping to go to some sports events next year. I guess baseball is open now, so I might try and get to a couple of games this year, but yeah. Yeah, perfect timing for for your love of baseball and for uh, the season and warm weather. And yeah, of course, hopefully, yeah, it's kind of see this pave the way for more and more for fans to be able to get back into games. Um, talk about why why statistics, like why uh, this route, what interested you or drew you that into that? Yeah, so I grew up a huge baseball fan. Both my parents were, my mom's big Cubs fan. My dad's a big White Sox fan. So that was a big point of contention in our house. Um, but I grew up a huge baseball fan. Like all my extended family would always go to baseball games when I was growing up. I played um, through high school. I still play summer ball, um, like not that competitively, but I like baseball a lot. Um, and I also was really good at math growing up too. Um, I'm not as good at math now when like I'm taking classes where everyone else is good at math, but um, I was really good at math, like in middle school and high school. So um, baseball statistics was just a really cool overlap between my two favorite things, I guess. So like the movie Moneyball really showed me that like you can use numbers to help a baseball team win, which was kind of a new concept for me when I was 10 years old, the movie came yeah. out, but um, like you got baseball cards with numbers on the back. Like I think baseball overlaps with numbers the most out of any sport probably. So kind of worked out really well and that's kind of how I got into baseball statistics that's awesome so you, who did you, you who'd you pick which which what parent did you go with <laughs> I actually went with my mom I'm I'm a Cubs fan um I root for the White Sox um they're probably gonna be better this year anyways so <laughs> um but yeah I don't know why I chose the Cubs when I was younger my dad is a much bigger baseball fan than my mom not that my mom is and she she definitely enjoys watching baseball as well but um Kind of surprised myself i grew up i guess my buffalo grove is like a north suburb so most of my friends growing up were cubs fans like i'd say like 80 percent of 90 percent of the, my friends that liked baseball were cubs fans and the rest were Sox fans so um maybe that was it i don't know that's cool yeah i grew up in northwest indiana so watching the, you know the cubs and white Sox on pretty much every day and so I, I was a huge ryan sandberg fan growing up i remember i used to have a lot of the cubs the starting lineups toy figures or whatever i don't know if those are still a thing but um and then I, you know, when I was fifth grade or whatever, 10-ish or whatever, that age, 
when I started picking my favorite teams, when I really started getting into sports and, and uh, the Braves were also on TV every day on TBS at that time. Yeah. Uh, I feel like a lot of people I talk to, that's the reason they're Braves. And... I get to watch them every day. I know the Cubs were on too, but, and then obviously, you know, when you're a kid, you pick a team who's good too. So, you know, Braves were relevant at that time. And, and it was, it was fun to watch those, those that young pitching staff, especially uh, yeah. in the early 90s. So. Awesome. Where, where in Indiana are you? Like, where in Northwest Indiana? Uh, from Hobart, so Lake County. Uh, okay, my girlfriend is in St. John's, so. Okay, yeah, really close, yep. Yep. Awesome. Uh, well, we're talking about your uh, Twitter accounts. One of the main reasons we're having you on here, this thing has kind of exploded. Kind of talk about the creation of this Twitter account, what it is. I'll let you give the uh, the Twitter handle there. And then what, what kind of inspired to start this and how it's just taken off? Yeah, so um, my Twitter is at MLB Random Stats, and um, I feel like it, the the content is pretty self-explanatory from the handle. I just post a bunch of uh, random MLB stats. Um, I started the account in 2015. I was a freshman in high school, so a lot younger than, than I was now, but um, kind of just posting whatever I thought was interesting, or even if I didn't think it was interesting, if I thought someone could find it interesting, I might post it. Most of my stuff back then didn't get much attention. I was a very small account, but over the years, I've been able to um, get really cool followers that that have big followings. And the way Twitter works is that you really need followers to get more followers because they retweet your stuff and then their followers will see it. So at first it was really hard. It took me like a year to even get a thousand followers. But after that, it kind of took off with like a lot of cool big names in like media and like players following and um, just been growing since then. I, I gained a ton of followers the last couple of years just because just that kind of positive feedback loop where all my followers are liking my stuff and retweeting it and all their followers seeing it. So hopefully that, that continues. Hopefully there's not like an upper limit on the number of people that like random baseball stats. I thought there would be before 67,000 followers. I didn't think there'd be that many people interested in this kind of thing, but I, I guess I was wrong. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. You mentioned it 67,000 plus followers. Now this thing is really taking off. I know there was a, a Joey Votto uh, tweet out there at one point. Is that the one that kind of took it off or is that another tweet that, you know, you kind of saw all of a sudden a big spike? Yeah, that was definitely my biggest one. It was about his like lack of pop-ups. I don't remember the exact number. I probably should considering like I gained like probably 10 or 15,000 followers from that tweet. I think I had 15,000 followers at the time and then I ended up with like 25,000 two days later, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was about how he had like averaged like one or two pop-outs per year over like a 10 year span, which is kind of incredible. Like, like even in Little League, I'd pop out like once a game and like... <laughs> I'm not facing 90 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour pitching, and Joey Votto's going entire major league seasons without doing it against like top tier pitching. So that was really crazy. I, I still like that's just a crazy stat to me, and I'm glad that everyone else found it interesting too because um, I think that's probably the craziest one I've come across. But yeah, that was really big. Um, I gained a lot of followers from that. Definitely helped um, boost my progress forward a little bit. Did Joey Votto retweet or respond to that one at all? No, he didn't, uh, unfortunately. But a lot of people, like a lot of Reds, like writers and stuff, found it interesting too. I'm sure he probably saw it if he yeah. is on Twitter at all. I don't know if he's on Twitter or not, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. That's I'm cool. sure he's a. I'm sure he's aware of it. I'm sure someone has asked him about it before. Right. Even if it was like before my tweet, I don't know if anyone had talked about it before. But there's no way you do that and let don't even realize it. Like you have to. That's the crazy thing is like. I feel like if I was Joey Votto um, and I like was aware of that, I would only like be thinking about that every time I went up to bat, like, oh, I don't pop out. Right. Like, and then I'd pop out and then I would be like, oh God. <laughs> like, I wonder if he's like mad, like when he pops out, like, wow, like this is like a once in a year kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, 
Oh, man. He like signs the ball and gives it to the pitcher's family or something like go. that. <laughs> got me to pop out. Like, nice job. <laughs> That's funny. Probably better chances of winning the lottery, I guess. <laughs> um, talk about uh, about how much time a day or a week or so you put into this. Yeah, so um, during the offseason, at least especially this offseason, I really haven't been able to put much time into it with like school and stuff. I didn't really realize how much work I'd actually have to put in college, but it was <laughs> definitely more than I thought. Um, so I haven't been on that much this offseason. I haven't been posting that many baseball stats, but hopefully when the season starts, especially once school comes to an end, next month almost i guess tomorrow's april and then that next month is may and that's when i'm going to school um hopefully i'll be posting a lot more um i try and watch like baseball is a really great sport to be a fan of because you don't have to watch closely to like know what's going on like I, it's a perfect like do your homework with the game on in the background and like the volume up so you can hear what's going on you can look up there's like enough action where it's like interesting but also like enough like enough downtime where you don't have to be staring at the screen for the whole so, I mean, some people don't like baseball for that reason, but I think baseball, I think that's the big pro of baseball is you don't need to be giving your constant attention mm -hmm. to, to know what's going on. You can like look up when a player's batting that you care about or it's a situation that yeah. is important to the game. But um, so I usually have baseball games on the background and um, if something interesting happens in it, I'll tweet about it. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't take, I can take a quick homework break to look up a stat if something interesting cool or like interesting or cool happens. And I spend a ton of time on Twitter anyways, like, just like randomly like it's just a very bad habit of mine to always refresh twitter the first thing i do when i open my phone so i follow a lot of baseball accounts on there so if i see them talking about something then i'll go to the box score and see what happens i can't watch every game at once but i can get a good idea of what's going on in each game just by following yeah. writers fans of each team. yeah so, for sure i just try to stay on top of that kind of thing and just try and be as quick as possible but also i'm not constantly watching like i don't have like atvs on with all the games at all times <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's there's nothing like going to a game in person, but when you're at home, you know, yeah, I love working on puzzles, just sitting in front of a puzzle and watching a game and having it on as kind of background noise. But also, yeah, like you said, you can just you can look up when it's an important moment in the game or whatever. So that's cool. Talk about any, you know, your friends that you've met at Purdue and their their reactionary professors that know you, you do this. Have you got any kind of response or reaction from them? Yeah, I try. Well, I try and stay kind of like, I don't know, I don't really talk about my like my twitter unless someone brings it up i don't know i a lot of people think it's really cool which is cool like i have friends that'll be like whenever i meet someone new like oh like this guy is like seventy thousand followers on twitter or something <laughs> like i don't like bring that up because i don't know i don't think i mean it's cool but like i don't think everyone really cares about it but um definitely some people here which is i've come to like i've like ran into people here that i've already known who i was and um produce done a really good job of like advertising me, which is really cool. I didn't expect Purdue would be that interested, but they've already released like one press release on me. I was in an article on the Exponent, um, a couple other things they posted me on their Instagram. So I'll, I've gotten a lot of Purdue followers in the last year or two, which is really cool because like, I'll like run into someone like, oh, like my uncle follows you on Twitter or something like that, which is like really funny. So um, that's really cool when that happens. I know like I'm at a place where like, this is like not like just a random, uh, audience of Americans like it, it is Purdue people so they're like more likely to know who I am but it's still crazy when I run into someone that I wouldn't have known otherwise to be like I wouldn't know who I am or just for whatever reason so that's always really cool I don't think any of my professors really um know me or really care I'm, I'm in a lot of big classes anyways so I don't really talk to my professors unless I have to but um yeah uh Purdue's done a really good job of 
of like helping me um, grow my following with Purdue people. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten to know a lot of um, people. Like I know um, like Chris Foreman's really great. I've gotten to know him a little bit um, just from talking to him on Twitter. Yeah. And just a bunch of other people that work in Purdue athletics are, are really good people. And it's been cool to make connections with them. That's awesome. Yeah, Chris Foreman is a really good dude. Uh, this uh, thing has also kind of led to the creation of a YouTube channel. Talk about that. Yeah, that was kind of like a I'm bored in a quarantine thing last year. I haven't been doing much with it recently, but um, I did. Like, I, I probably started a year ago when I was at home. We got to know from school and I literally had nothing to do. Baseball wasn't going on. So I started it and I did this like interview series with um, people who work in baseball. So I got some cool people. Kind of just did what, what you're doing now with just Zoom interviews, post them on YouTube. Um, I didn't have that many episodes. I got kind of... <laughs> not bored, but I, I wanted something else to do. So I posted some stuff on there. I posted, um, I did, I don't know if you know what OTP is, but it's, um, like a computer, like simulation for baseball games. So I did a little bit with that, like kind of doing some fun scenarios. Like, Oh, like what if, what, like, what would the record of a team with 25 Barry bonds be like, he has to pitch every inning. He has to take all the at bats. Like what would the record be? So I did like, you can do that pretty easily on there. So I did that, filmed it, put it on. People thought it was interesting, but I don't post much on there anymore, but it's nice to have um, people subscribe for a little bit. So if I wanted to post something, I could. That's cool, man. And now you're also an author. <laughs> talk, yeah. about, talk about your books. I think uh, your second one is out now. Um, the Hidden Ball Trick, The Baseball Stats You Never Thought to Look For, uh, two volumes now, 1876 to 1919 and 1920 to 1969, volume two. Talk about those books. Yeah, so um, me and my buddy, uh, Jim Passan, he's a kind of, he runs a similar account to me on Twitter. He's at Passan Jim, just random baseball stats he comes across as well. Um, we kind of, we've been friends on Twitter for a while, um, just talking back and forth. Um, and we decided, I don't know how this really came up, but we both have posted so many baseball stats on our account that we're like, oh, like we should do something with these. Like we should organize these somewhere. So we started organizing like, wow, like we could like probably like sell this kind of thing. So we decided that the best way of going about that would be to just put them into a book. And at first it was just going to be like one big book of baseball stats chronologically ordered from the beginning of baseball till the most recent year. But that would have been way too long for one book. It probably would have been like 800 pages. So we split it up into three volumes. The first one came out two years ago in May. Um, and that covers the most interesting baseball stats from the dead ball era, which is 1876 to 1919. Mm -hmm. And it pretty much every like chapter, I wouldn't say like a chapter because it's not that long, but like every like two or three pages is like a sub chapter, I guess. Mm -hmm. And each one of that is like the most interesting things that happened in baseball from that year. So like there'd be like a, a few pages dedicated to the 1914 season. And um, it would be like, here's what happened. Like who won the world series, like, um, some fun events that happen and like what we would be tweeting about if our Twitter accounts existed in 1914 and we were alive and Twitter existed and all that stuff. Like what would be the coolest baseball stats from that year? So we'd like go through the box scores, um, look through like batting lines and stuff and pitching lines and try and find um, the most interesting things we could find as if we were, as if they were happening now, like what would we be talking about? So that's kind of the approach we took, talking about like who made their debuts that year, who was born, who died just everything relevant to that year so that you can get a really good understanding of it. Yeah. With, it's not like a, like nowhere close to like being a, like a work of literature. We're not very good writers. So we tried to just put them like, it's really just bullet point tweets and like a, a paragraph for what happened the year. Like just kind of that, like pretty, like pretty easy to read if you like, like having books when you go to the bathroom or like, <laughs> just like having something to look at before you go to bed. But 
so that was volume one volume two came out last year in about in like around may um and that was for the first half of the live ball era which was 1920-1969 um same deal as the first one there it was longer because there are more baseball stats available from that time which is really cool and also because we're more familiar with the players um the first volume was interesting to write because a lot of players like before ty cobb like a lot of people think like baseball kind of like started with like Babe Ruth. And then if there was something before Babe Ruth, it was like Ty Cobb, Honus Wagner, but even them, like they played in like the early 1900s. There's still 25 years of baseball history that like, like even before like Cy Young was pitching in the 1890s before then there were still 20 years of baseball history. And these guys, even like we hadn't really heard of because no one really talks about them. So that was harder to write about in the first volume. But then the second volume was a lot easier because all of these players we've, we've heard of for the most part. And if we hadn't, it was pretty easy to learn about them. So that was longer because we had a lot more to talk about, probably like 270 pages for 50 years of baseball history. And then volume three, we keep saying we're gonna eventually start working on, but I've been so busy lately. We have a little bit down, um, like the bare bones and some stats for each year, but um, that will eventually be finished. I don't know when, but our goal is to do it eventually. Um, I've just been so busy with school and Jim's been so busy with his job um, that it's been hard to write about, but eventually we will do it. So look out for that in the next 20 years. Right. We'll, we'll do that. It was supposed to be done now, but it wasn't. So Life kind of just comes at you. Uh, would that be, would volume three take us up to 2020, 2021-ish then? Yeah, so the original plan was to include the 2020 season, and that was going to be the end because 20, the 2020 season was very interesting from mm-hmm. a baseball perspective because all of the stats were kind of wacky like the home run leader had like 22 home runs or something like that like some but then there would also be guys with like higher batting average than you'd be used to seeing because it's a lot easier to keep up that kind of um that kind of batting line through 60 games compared to 162 yeah so we figured we'd include that as kind of like a like an end like oh like here's these wacky stats from 2020 that like you may not think are legitimate but like they still have it anyways but we'll see what happens. I can't imagine this book will be done before the end of the 2021 season. So maybe we'll include it, but it's also kind of nice to end on an even number year. So we'll, we'll decide. Um, we'll include 2021 or we'll just stop at 2020. I gotcha. Cool. Um, is this something you want to do for a career that you could see doing it post, uh, post Purdue? Yeah, I definitely could. Um, I don't know for sure what I want to do, but I'm studying data science, which I think is a really good, um, like path for me if I do want to work as like a baseball statistician or like work with a team. But I also think it's really nice that if I didn't end up wanting to do that, I'm not like locked into like a sports path where I could just work for like a firm or whoever hires data scientists or <laughs> whatever companies they want. Um, so I'm keeping my options open. I would definitely love to work in sports um, in whatever capacity anyone would hire me. And I got a cool internship for this summer with sports reference, like the sites that manage baseball reference and all those basketball reference, football reference, all those awesome. websites with all the stats. So I'm really excited for that, hoping that um, I can get some experience like actually working with sports stats for like a job. So that'll be really cool. That would be awesome. That sounds yeah. really fun. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited. That's cool. Well, well, real quickly as we're kind of wrapping up baseball talk, uh, I'm just curious now that since you're talking, you know, so much about statistics and the history of the game, people like, uh, I'm always curious, I ask people, big baseball fans, this McGuire, Bonds, these guys, should they be in the Hall of Fame? I personally, well, it's it's hard for me to 
to say, like, people don't really value my opinions on this, and rightfully so, because I wasn't really alive when this all happened. Because I was born in 2001, so that was the year Barry Bonds broke the broke the home run record. So obviously was not aware of what was going on in the baseball world that year. So obviously I don't know what it was like at the time. I can look at the numbers, I can read the stories, but I don't know what it was like to live through it. If I had a vote, I would put them in. McGuire's off the ballot now, so he's probably not gonna get in at least for a while, but Bond still is. I'd probably vote for him. Um, he didn't fail any steroid tests. Um, they didn't test for steroids until five or six years after it was a big issue for him. So I think my, my thing is like, if you fail the PED test, I think you could draw the line there, but it's hard to penalize someone like retroactively when the league wasn't even punishing him anyways. Like, yeah, yeah he like got blackball in 07, but there was no official punishment from MLB. And it's hard for me to, if I was a voter, to be the judge of whether or not he did steroids when he probably did, yes. But at the same time, <laughs> MLB never said he did and yeah. like suspended him for it. So same with him and same with McGuire and, Roger Clemens and all of those guys. I think they're like Manny Ramirez and Alex Rodriguez will be interesting coming up because, and even David Ortiz too, because I, David Ortiz, I don't think fell the stereotypes, but A-Rod and Manny did. So Manny's been on the ballot for a few years now and he's been doing significantly worse than Barry Bonds, probably because a lot of voters look at it the same way I do is that he fell the drug test, Bonds didn't. And also Bonds was a much better player than Ramirez was, if that's even possible. But um, I think it'll be interesting when A-Rod comes up because he was him and him and Ortiz. Ortiz had steroid issues too. He, I don't think he fell a test, but um, if they put Ortiz in, they're going to have a lot of explaining to do if they don't end up putting Bonds in too, because Ortiz was on, I believe he was on the Mitchell report um, or I don't know. He was on some steroid list. I don't know exactly what it was, but um, it's pretty like assumed that he probably did. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think they're going to end up getting in. I don't think you can convince three-fourths of the baseball writers that Bonds is deserving of Hall of Fame because I think more than a quarter of the people are never going to vote for him. So, oh, well, I think that I think the Hall of Fame is a museum. Um, even if – I think you have to recognize that what Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Mark McGuire and what all they did for baseball – I mean, they, they saved baseball in the 90s. Like, yeah. So I think, yes, you could say that he cheated and what he did was wrong. But at the same time, what he did for baseball was unmatched by most everyone else that's ever played yeah. baseball. So that's why I vote for him. Yeah, I mean, that 98 season, as a guy who is old enough, <laughs> yep. I was in high school in 98. Uh, that was a, a really exciting season. I'll give him yep. that. So, yeah, it will definitely be interesting. I, I kind of agree with you. I think, you know, the baseball purists, the writers, the people who have that vote, you know, they may say – you know, they're, you know, they're purists and want the game to be clean or whatever, regardless, like you said, retroactive or not. So yeah, it'll be interesting. So yeah, like it's, if, if I think if MLB, like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm looking at this from a writer's perspective, I would say if MLB didn't want them to make the hall of fame, then they wouldn't have put him on the ballot. Mm. But since they are allowing me to vote on him, they're saying that what he did was like passable. Like he's okay. Like he's not Pete Rose. Pete Rose was not allowed in the hall of fame ballot because MLB decided that what he did was not okay, and they're not going to even let anyone vote on him. But they're letting me vote on Bonds. They're letting me vote on Clements. And I think that's like a an A-OK from them that what they did was not like fine, but good enough to vote on their baseball accomplish, accomplishments yeah. for. So that's why I'd say yes. Yeah, that's a good point. What are your thoughts on Pete Rose? you think MLB is right on that since you brought him up? 
you think they did the right thing? Um, it's I've gone back and forth. I think what he did was worse than what Bonds did, especially if it's the question is if he if he bet against his own team. Mm-hmm. And also, there's an argument that to be made that if he was betting like for his team to win, that means that because he okay, I guess here's how I think about it. If even if P Rose was not betting against his team to win, there were games where he was betting on his team to win, and then there were also games where he wasn't betting at all. And so obviously, why would he feel better about games that he's betting on for his team to win compared to teams that games that he's not betting on at all? Yeah. So you have to question, is he putting more effort into these games that he's betting on his team to win compared to games that he's not betting on at all? And I think that's a, a really like sketchy topic there. Like, it's hard to say that, oh, he's, he's more confident in these games than other games. Is he putting more effort into these games? And I think that's a, he's not necessarily, even if, even if he wasn't, betting against his own team to win. There are games where you could argue he's not trying as hard and by comparison is not necessarily throwing the game, but he's he's definitely changing something in his man, in his playing style or in his managing tendencies that would reflect his bet. So I think I'm fine with keeping him out because you don't know to the extent of what he did. And it's hard to say, like if they let him into the Hall of Fame, and then more came out about him, that would not be very surprising to see that yeah. he did bet against his team or whatever. I can see why they would um, not let him in, and I'm fine with that. Shoeless Joe Jackson, though, I think he should be in. Um, like, yeah, he was on a team that threw the World Series, but if you look at his stats from the World Series, he was the best player on either of the teams. He, he hit 350 or something like that and had like a 950 OPS, didn't make an error, I don't think, and um, – was also a Hall of Fame baseball player uh, talent-wise. So I would I would be fine with letting Shula Show Jackson more than, than Pete Rose. Yeah. yeah Pete Rose, I, I, I joke Pete Rose broke my heart, broke my heart but he, he, he did it. But I, I don't know if they still make you take this class at Purdue. At, uh, my freshman year, I take Com 114, which was a peach, speech and persuasion class. I don't know if they still do that. And I did a, one of mine on why Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame. And that was before, I think, his admission of guilt. You know, so I, at that point, it was still – the people who thought he didn't cheat or at least, you know, there was justification for him to be let back into baseball. Right. I could, I could see the argument for both sides. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if they let him in, but I also can, like, I also don't think it's as cut and dry as Pete Rose should be in the hall of fame. Like sure. a lot of people are like, who's the biggest nut from the hall of fame. I don't think it's Pete Rose. Like I think there are a lot of other worthy candidates that should get in before you could, should argue that Pete Rose is the, the yeah. biggest snub of the hall of fame, but Definitely. I don't know. That's just me. That's awesome, man. Hey, Jeremy, thank you for this uh, this conversation. It's awesome just talking baseball with you. Uh, just kind of before we wrap up, just going to talk about, you know, more about some more Purdue things. Talk, talk about some other activities you're involved in on campus. Yeah, so I am the vice president of the Sports Analytics Club here. We meet every Wednesday, um, just talk sports. It's pretty fun. We have cool guest speakers. Um, that's one cool thing about my Twitter account is that I've been able to make connections with people and get cool people to talk to our club. Like we had Jason Benetti come in person last year. He's the White Sox broadcaster, but he was doing the Purdue Virginia basketball game. So he, the day before he came into our club and answered questions for an hour, which was really awesome. Um, But we've had some really cool people. um, And we also just have watch parties, talk sport, talk stats, have fantasy leagues, all that kind of stuff. It's just a fun community Um, group chats, just talking about sports. So it's really cool um, allowing people to meet people that, like sports it's not just like a sport analytics club it's more just like being a sports fan club like not everyone here cares about numbers it's just all liking sports and talking about it 
Um, but yeah, that's really all I do at Purdue, to be honest, <laughs> hang out with my friends. Um, but that's the only club I'm involved in. Um, yeah, other than that, just doing <laughs> doing schoolwork, yeah. um, doing my Twitter and stuff like that, and just hang out with friends. Yeah, school alone is enough to keep you busy, but yeah, adding a club and just you know, the Twitter account and stuff. I know at least, uh, well, your freshman year, you were kind of involved with the baseball team before the pandemic really ruined a lot of things. Um, are you still doing that, or is that kind of because of the pandemic, you haven't been able to get back into that? Yeah, it's kind of on hold. I've, um, I did a couple of things last year with um, the baseball communications people. So like I gave them stats for their Twitter account, um, but then the baseball season ended. Um, I was going to, they, I don't think they haven't played any home games last year. I don't remember for nope, sure, but they did not. <laughs> they didn't because I was going to end up hopefully like working with them when they were at home, but they not, that never happened. And now I can't work with the team this because they need to stay in a, like a sort of bubble. So yeah, maybe next year, maybe eventually down the line, but it's been tough to be able to do anything with them. I've been able to talk to their coaches. They're good people, but it's unfortunate that I haven't really been able to. Yeah. But Benton yeah. or their Benton or their communication guys, a great guy. He's helped me out a lot with the podcast stuff. And then coach yeah. Goff. coach Goff's one of my favorite people. I, I love coach Goff. I've had him on here uh, twice. I got the, uh, actually got the baseball Jersey there in the background here for anybody who's watching this. Uh, I love Purdue baseball and, you know, hopefully, they just kind of get uh, get rolling here soon and just kind of get things turned around. And finally, yeah, they speaking of home games, they finally just got to play their first home game in two years uh, last weekend over at yeah. Alexander Field. So. Yeah, Ben Turner's a great guy. He was the guy that I worked a lot with with their communications before the season got shut down. And I've talked to Coach Coffee before. He seems like a good guy too. Yeah, he's awesome. So great staff he's got there too. Great bunch of great guys uh, doing things the right way, uh, regardless of wins and losses, uh, stand up character guy who's like i said doing things the right way so awesome hey jeremy unless you got anything else that you want to share with our listeners man i've been really appreciative of your time i've enjoyed this conversation yeah me too thanks for having me on yeah awesome well we'll, we'll do it again in the future we'll uh stay in touch and uh, love to talk baseball any other time as well so no doubt happy opening day yes you too man uh, boiler up a reminder you can follow the full steam ahead podcast on twitter at full steam pod And you can always listen to, like, comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.